ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, pets and other things. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what is around besides pets in your place of residence or on the subway or in your car. Are there creatures hanging out? Are there spirits? Ooh. Are there... What's listening as we go into the sixth and seventh wheel? As we go into the spirit energy of the sixth and seventh chakra, what is, what is around? Who is around? Now, if you don't know what six and seven are about, you are about to learn. <laughs> we are opening up the portals to the magic places. That's right, friends. Welcome to the world of the mystical, the world of the magical, the world of ether, the spirit element. So for those of you that are like only first ever tuning into this podcast and you're like, what the heck is going on? We are Natalie and Kristen. This is the Create Podcast. And we are here to talk to you today about the finale of our series. We've done this series on the chakra wheels and the path of jump-starting, kick-starting, activating your life through this vital energy inside of you. And this is the finale of this series where we're going into the sixth and seventh chakra, which are your top two chakras in this system that start with the base, the root, the foundation, and goes all the way up into your crown. So in the sixth chakra, we are talking about your intuition, your imagination, your discernment, your right seeing. We are talking about the shadow of illusion and denial and your ability to see clearly and correctly. When we talk about the seventh chakra, we are talking about your connection to cosmic consciousness, to the source of love, to whatever you call God, which could be your own soul, your higher self, or it could be the um, nature, the divine, the cosmos. And we are talking about how you might get into the world of attachment and non-attachment, which is the, the shadow and the, the um, freedom element in this chakra. So this is really the two most esoteric of the chakras. We are talking here about what you kind of can't tangibly see, but arguably is the most powerful energy that you can work with. And you have it inside of you. And if you're like me, you just want to hang out in the six and seven <laughs> chakras all day long. You just want to be out in those mystical planes, sitting on a mountaintop, saying, I am communicating with those that are unseen. It feels so good up here. Do I have to go back down into the world? <laughs> this um, is the area of our true knowing mm -hmm. and our true wisdom. And our dear friend Rob Bell always says, everything is spiritual. And so this is the realm from which we say there is no separation. And my, my connection to everything is complete and whole. And there is nothing that is off limits to me in this world. And so first we're going to dive into number six, into our third eye, into that place of perceiving. And as we've been talking about wheels, we've been talking about the energy to go in in order to move forward. Now, when this shows up in our life, often we think when we have a blocked chakra up here, when our third eye we think isn't open, it's that we don't know. And so when we're in a place in our lives where we feel like there is some sort of confusion or different choices or we don't know where to turn next and we are uh, desiring wisdom, often we think that we need to get tight to know. There's a, when there's a desire to know, often when we get into our reptilian brain, we can try to search out for knowledge like we're, like we're grasping for straws and we think that there is power in having the right answer. It's almost like when you have something lost in your apartment yeah. and you're going to turn the apartment upside down and make a complete mess trying to find the thing when really the true wisdom would be getting really still and quiet and retracing your steps before you rip apart the apartment. A hundred percent. And many times when I have lost something in my apartment, I get still and I have a little conversation with spirit. And I remember it's happened to me so many times with the jewelry. And I think it's the divine's way of showing me 
that it's not about looking in this ardent, chaosy manner for something I think it's lost. It's actually about getting really still and asking a question and then being able to wait and be patient until I know mm. that we're never going to be given information until it is time for action. And if we haven't been given information yet, it means the time for action has not come. And often we get very uncomfortable sitting in uncertainty. Mm. We want to know, so we're going to create an answer even if there's not an answer to be had yet. So what we want to offer as we go in is that part of this third eye opening, this ability to, ha to be able to have right seeing, is to get really comfortable with beginner's mind. Right. It's getting really comfortable with being in the unknown and making friends with it and realizing I always get all the information I need exactly at the moment that I need it. Right. Uh, as you, some of you who've been following our podcast chronologically know that Kristen and I are in Los Angeles right now, and we actually had this amazing conversation <laughs> last night. Um, I found myself sitting on uh, the 10 <laughs> freeway in absolute gridlock traffic. I am, I am talking like maybe creeping along at best, but mostly just standing still. And uh, my phone rings, and it's Kristen on the phone, and she says, I said, what are you doing? She said, I am in gridlock traffic <laughs> on another freeway in another part of town. And we ended up having this amazing conversation while completely gridlocked on opposite freeways. And the conversation really was, I was so desperately seeking an answer in my life about something that I decided to take the complete feminine approach, make all the space, sit on the beach, write, meditate, spend time by the ocean, get clear, do nothing. And so my action step was going to be going completely in the realm of the feminine. Kristen was in, uh, and, and you can say this yeah. in your own words, of course, in kind of the opposite predicament. Yeah, where I had just been through a time of making space and clearing up in New York and, and really being in that feminine energy. And as I was coming to Los Angeles, what just felt like the right step was creating action and creating all of this um, steps around my creative projects. So what I found was once I got here to Los Angeles, the days have been very, very full, more full than I thought they would be. And I was like, whoa, hangy pants, you are in your masculine energy and you are working it out. And I was almost dizzyingly so of, there has been a lot of output and coming from a place of just having a lot of space, I was like, huh, this is curious. <laughs> so really what was really fascinating is both Kristen and I in different areas of our lives were trying to ask questions and then taking completely opposite actions mm -hmm. around those questions. And the irony is we both get on the phone with each other and we're both gridlocked. Yes. <laughs> so when the actions I was taking and the actions she was taking were complete opposite, but here we were both in the same energy on different freeways, which was we were both not moving forward with the things we wanted to move forward with. So when we talk about the sixth chakra, which is illusion and denial and trying to get into the energy of right seeing, mm -hmm. it is the bravery and the courage to be in the action of non-action until the step is revealed. Instead of saying to the universe, I'm going to take all these steps so that you will reveal something to me. Yes. It is, I am willing to be in non-action so that I will stay out of reaction until the next step is revealed to me. And often, the universe will not give us the next step if we haven't acted on the step it's already given. Mm. So what'll happen is the universe will give us a very clear communication about what the next step is. And we don't do that. And we're waiting for something else. Right. And it's like, bitch, I told you. <laughs> yes. I told you what the action is to take. Yes. I had this uh, circumstance where uh, in November, I had this idea drop in my head, a book that I'm supposed to write. 
And I was so excited about it. And the day that it dropped in, I, I wrote all these ideas down. And then I have not looked at it since. <laughs> <laughs> so months go by, and I had great excuses. It's Christmas, and listen, those of you who don't know me, Christmas is my jam. All all life stops so I can watch Christmas movies and bake cookies for a month. Uh -huh. I do not do anything in the month of December. I don't even want auditions. Uh -huh. I am just dedicated to Christmas. Um, so, so what happened is then, of course, January rolled around and I had other excuses and other things and, and things became urgent and priority. And so this book sat in my brain and didn't go anywhere. And then all of a sudden I catch myself going in to have some meetings with my agents and, and feeling you know, I haven't had any auditions since November and what's going on and what do I need to hustle and what do I need to do and how do I need to change this and how do I need to get mad at someone for something not happening? And then all of a sudden it became really clear. Spirit was like, girl, I gave you a job to do. I told you, you got to write that book. And so you better believe I'm going to cock block you until you do it. <laughs> so, so funny. I was literally going to say, you just got so cock blocked by the universe. Cock blocked by the universe. Oh. Yeah. 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 I mean, when the universe wants to put up a wall and say, do not pass go, do not collect $200, mm -hmm. it will be so clear. And here's the thing. So ultimately, I get really, really clear. And I make space. And I start writing. And what I can tell you is for the last uh, you know week or so that I've been in Los Angeles, I've been writing every day, I've been by the beach, I've been really meditating in the morning and hearing what to write and then executing it through the day. And I've never felt clearer, more relaxed, more in my joy, more in my spirit, more in my creativity, more at ease. And so then all of a sudden, the normal ruminations of my mind of, how is my career going to move forward? How am I going to push this forward? How am I going to make this happen? All of a sudden, all of those things are just not even a concern mm -hmm. because I feel at peace and I feel whole and I feel complete and I feel in my creative flow. I have tuned into the pace of life and it's transcending what my personal should pace is. And so all of a sudden, the things that I'm always trying to push forward feel less relevant. Mm. And then don't you know, friends, that as I have not been focusing on those kind of other goals, there's all kinds of sneaky ways that they're finding their way back to me without me putting effort into them. Well, that's exactly right. It reminds me of this one time you did a meditation that was communication from the other side side and I when I was in this meditation I saw Damon and Bartolo my friend who's a composer who died in 2013 and something that had been on my heart was this project of his it was the last thing he wrote before he passed away and in this conversation with him I remember getting really emotional and I was like I'm so sorry I haven't gotten your show up yet it's, it's like on my to-do list I'm gonna do what I promise and he started laughing. And in the dream, he was in a, uh, a white wedding dress, like Stevie Nicks, and he was playing the piano, and he was like, woo, I'm a ghost. <laughs> and he was making me laugh, which is totally his personality, totally, by the way. Totally. And in this meditation, when I said, I'm so sorry, like I felt so guilty, I hadn't gotten the show up yet, and I'm going to get it up, I promise. And, like, and he, was, he started laughing, and he said, time, do you think that I care about time? Where I am, time is irrelevant. Mm. I know you're going to do it, sweet baby. I'm not worried about that. And, and so I see all of the divine around me whispering that same message, mm. right? Time, mm. we're not worried about time. And us and our human shells, I think, become so concerned about time. And not that we're, we should take time for granted, but realize that nature has its own timing. You cannot rush the trees from going from fall to winter to spring to summer. Yeah. And that the times in my life when I have let go of pushing myself, like I'm so aware that I have this uh, uh, clock that is always like pushing me. And I remember being in, in college and like writing a poem um, because I had read this Tennessee Williams monologue 
think it was in Summer and Smoke about, I think it was like the character of John Buchanan. And for all of you Tennessee Williams fans out there, I'm so sorry if I'm butchering this and it's a totally different play. <laughs> but he said, um, like, I'm acutely aware of the clock and its monosyllabic cry is loss, loss, loss. Mm. And I remember identifying with that so much. Like, I wrote a poem about it at like 19 years old. Yeah. Like, I was so scared about time then. And I'm like, who taught me about scarcity of time? Who indoctrinated that idea that I felt like I had to hustle hard to make things as opposed to being on infinite time of I believe that everything happens exactly when it should and I'm always given the next right step. So one of the things that, you know, you and I did the uh, podcast on intuition and learning how to listen and my one of my favorite podcasters, <laughs> Aubrey Marcus, who I think is very sexy. Oh, um, we have such a little love affair. Oh, gosh. Aubrey, I hope you're listening. We are very obsessed. <laughs> and we're very attractive. Um, that's, sorry, that's another, that's another, that's another, maybe this should be a, a private, a private podcast. Um, but he, that, maybe that's the calling. We need to record a private podcast for Aubrey. Just for Aubrey. <laughs> Don't worry. I am ready to record that one today. That one we will do naked. Yeah, yeah. That's, by the way, that is the third eye asking for itself. Talk about right scene. I, I already perceive everything I know I want to say on that podcast. Okay, um, where was I? Oh, he said that something a mentor of his gave him was that every day he looks at his mission statement for life. What, is, what am I here to do on the planet? What are my three main priorities right now? And then what are the, the three action steps today that I'm intuiting as my priority? And what I think is really exciting here is going within and asking spirit, tell me today, what are the three things that you would like me to be the vessel of on the planet today? So if I'm here to show up as an ambassador for love, an ambassador for light, an ambassador of creativity, I'm here as yours. I am here as your hand. You tell me, what do you want me to do? And give me three things. Because what Hanky Pants loves to do is I love to put 20 things on my yes. plate. But if I ask clearly spirit for three things, then I know that I can be diligent to those three things. And that's beautiful, the power of three. Uh, I, I recently was reading something about Steve Jobs, and that's actually how he developed his company. Really? It was three objectives a day. Love it. Three company objectives a day. And in inspiring and enlivening within the whole company to get behind those three objectives for the day. Yeah. Also, our dear friend, Randy Zuckerberg, who's a phenomenal entrepreneur and author and just overall incredibly cool person. She is an incredible businesswoman who also had a dream of singing and starring on Broadway and ended up being in Rock of Ages on Broadway and saying, you know, it's never too late for a mm -hmm. dream to happen. You know, she held that vision and, and there she was, you know, a phenomenally yeah. on Broadway. And she recently wrote a book um, and I'm sorry, Randy, I, I may be uh, killing the title here. It's along the lines of you can have it all, just not at the same time or just not yeah. all at once. And she talks about the power of choosing three things a day. Pick three. Pick three. Pick three things, you know. So, so you can be a mother and an entrepreneur and a fashion designer and whatever, but you just don't hold every single thing at the same moment. So I am taking this kind of soulbatical in my life to focus really on meditation and writing, that doesn't mean that I'm no longer uh, an actor or a teacher. You know, we're continuing to teach create. We're, we, we teach less than we did in this past year so that we can carve out space to have the right seeing for what the right actions are. In order to do that, we have to surrender to the wisdom that is available. Mm -hmm. um, there's this great... Uh, Paul, oh, I'm going to kill this name. It, uh, let me spell it for you because I will probably butcher it. It's G-A-U-G-U-I-N, Paul Gogwin. Uh, he says, I shut my eyes in order to see. We think that the wisdom is somehow outside of ourselves, that we're going to look outside to have the right seeing. Mm -hmm. let, me, let me look at what someone else wants me to do and then do that and see what happens. That's living in a state of reactivity, not creation. Yeah. The state of creation that we want to be in 
is looking inside, whether it's in a meditation practice, whether it's in a journaling practice, a chanting practice, just a silence, gazing at a candle, looking at an ocean, uh, watching a sunrise, whatever it is for you to go in, to be able to see the right seeing, the right knowing, so that the wisdom can bubble up inside of you to say, what are your three steps today? What are your three motivations today? And if we make the process simpler for ourselves, because life is actually infinitely simple, and only our ego and our mind wants to make it complex, then we will be able to see the right next step and right next action. And realize that the unknown is the place of our greatest power. Life is so interesting. I've been, you guys must think that all I do is listen to podcasts, but I've been in a <laughs> lot of LA traffic. So one of the other podcasts I've been listening to is Broadway Backstory. Mm. And they tell you all the back history of how a show got created and got all the way to Broadway. Mm. And here's what's interesting. No two paths are the same. And what worked once for one show will never work again for another show, right? So everything has its own path. So when we come back to that idea of needing to know, it's actually releasing the need to know so that we can hear, mm. so that we can intuit. And there's this um, <laughs> quote by Shakespeare, the fool doth think himself wise, but the wise man knows he is a fool. Mm -hmm. So when we actually just know we are the empty space, that we are the sky, that we are the place of the empty bowl, the, the unknown slate, from that place of realizing that in the blank is where our wisdom is, from that place we can intuit, we can hear, we can perceive what the next right step is. And we're never going to know the whole path. Thank goodness. How intimidated would we be if we saw the whole path? How many of us would bail on the path because it would look too damn hard? There are too many steps. It's like uh, if I want to cook, because I'm not a great cook, yeah. and I'm going to try to find a recipe. If the recipe has way too many steps, I'm bailing. I'm yes. not cooking that. I'm going to go for the three-ingredient recipe that I know I can probably execute well. Yeah. So... We have to be grateful that not all the steps are revealed because if we knew uh, all of them, then we probably wouldn't move forward. And the reward is not being at the end of the steps anyway. The reward is actually who we become in the process. It is not just getting to the top of Mount Everest and standing at the top and saying, I did that thing. It is who we become in the process of the climb that actually gives us the end anyway. So we have to be more invested in the process of our growth than the result of our growth. Um, you know, one thing that Socrates says that I love is the only true wisdom is knowing that you know nothing. Mm -hmm. That the only true wisdom is knowing that we don't get it. There is a wisdom, and this is when we start moving into the crown chakra, there is a wisdom of the universe that we cannot possibly understand. You know the old adage that we only use 10% of our brains and all that stuff. There is a wisdom, there is a profound transcendent wisdom that is operating inside of our lives at all times in its own pace, in its own timing, in its own infiniteness that we can't comprehend. So when we try to run and control this show and think we know better... What a bad idea. What a bad idea. It would be like being, um, you know, your first day on this planet. Yeah. Knowing only what you know, which is basically how to breathe and cry. Yeah, yeah. And being like, I'm going to be president today. That's right. Right? It's like, we don't know how to do it. So why would we assume that our way is going to be the right way? We don't know what... We do not know anything. One one conversation Kristen and I have almost every day is we have no idea. Yeah. We're okay. just we're just following our bliss. Mm -hmm. We're taking the next uh, action as it gets revealed and we have no idea what any of it's about or where it's going. <laughs> we often look to each other and use that roomy quote of live the question. Live the question. We're just going to live the question today. Ooh, I have this question. 
now I just get to live it. One thing that I think is fun as an artist is uh, I, I've, I've been looking at the, these quotes for this thing that I'm writing, and I, there's this Natasha Tasco's quote that says, the only thing I knew was that I would give myself permission to imagine anything and then reverse engineer my way from there. Ooh. So the only thing I know is that I have the power to imagine anything I want. Uh -huh. The only thing I know is limitless possibility. Yeah. The quantum field is limitless. That's the only thing I actually know. Yeah. I know that I don't know at all. Yeah. So I imagine from wherever I am the biggest possible thing I can imagine and then just work my way back. Yeah. <laughs> Baby step back. Baby step back. Oh, my goodness. Um, it, you know, we talk about how the... Um, shadow of this chakra is uh, uh, illusion. Yeah. And yeah. there's this great Ramdas quote oh, that popped in this morning. Please give me this again. Oh, I mean, talk about... This is one of the ones where I sit back in my chair and breathe real deep and just let Kristen take me to church when she reads this one. <laughs> I'm like, do it to me, Ramdas. <laughs> oh, he's so sweet. Okay, ready, friends? Did you ever have a bad day? Everything <laughs> seemed to go wrong and you are completely lost in anger, frustration, and self-pity. It gets worse and worse until the final moment when, say, you have just missed the last bus. There is some critical point where it gets so bad that the absurdity of it all overwhelms you and you can do nothing but laugh. At that moment, you uplevel your predicament. You see the cosmic joke in your own suffering. Humor puts things in perspective. There are many levels of humor. There is a humor of survival, a humor of sex and gratification, a humor connected with power. Beyond all these, there is a humor that is filled with compassion. It is reflected in the tiny upturn in the mouth of the Buddha, for he sees the humor in the universal predicament. All beings are lost in illusion. Yet he knows that they will awaken from that illusion, for they are, at heart, already enlightened. He knows that what seems so hard for them is, from another perspective, their own path to liberation. Mm. Well, thank you, Ram Dass. Do you know what image it conjures for me when mm -hmm. I listen to that? Thinking about we are already enlightened, and the big cosmic joke is that we don't know. It makes me think that we have this little kid, like Fisher Price toy bicycle, and we have a Lamborghini. And we're sitting in our little toy bicycle with all oh! our might, like going, 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 going. And it's like the universe is sitting back in the Lamborghini going, you really want to race this way, kid? All right. Let, let me know when you want me to step on the gas, right? And we're just hustling so hard. And the big cosmic joke is we were also given a Lamborghini. And we could just get off the little tricycle, go and sit in the car, and let spirit drive. And we could go so far so fast, and we don't realize. And it's funny. It is funny that we are so attached to the story of our suffering that we can't see anything else as being possible. You show me. Yeah. You show me. Yeah. You drive. And, and it, you know, the, in the crown chakra, we talk about attachment mm -hmm. and non-attachment. And the shadow of attachment is really the attachment to our identity. Mm. It's the attachment to I have to do it all. I have to be it all. It's all my responsibility. No one can do it as well as I can. I can't possibly delegate because it will never get done. It's all in my hands. And what a joke. And if we could learn to just detach from the quote reality of that identity, then we would be able to move into complete union with something that already has the way already has the path, already has the car, already has the roadmap, already has the snacks, already has the GPS, and is already the destination all in one. That's right. And so often we clamp down in trying to manage and control things. And in that energy, you can't enjoy things. Mm. And so if life is for joy, we've actually cut ourselves off from what is 
It's like spirit just wants to give us a party, to give us a parade all the time, and to be able to embrace it, our arms have to be open, mm -hmm. right? We have to give up that control. It's interesting, you know, when you and I were talking about that crown chakra, that connection with our higher power, and we were talking about the wheel, the how do we go in to go out, and what is the opposite, and many people, when seeking a closer connection to their higher power, think that that can only be found in certain places, right? So they um, have attachment to where is the space where the divine lives, where is the space where I find the goddess. Mm. And many of us, you know, we can really feel and experience that in nature, go into places of worship. And of course, as, as our dear friend Rob Bell says, everything is spiritual. But that closeness we feel with the divine in those spaces is often because we've removed our, we've gotten quiet enough and removed ourselves from stimulus enough that we can truly hear. Mm. But everything is a portal to our higher power. Mm. And I think to occur is when we can see everything that happens in our life from missing the last bus to a tough conversation to standing in line to get our coffee from the cuparista as a portal, as an entrance into meeting God. Mm. That everywhere we go is infused with the divine and holy energy. Mm. And when we bring that kind of reverence to everything that we do, then we watch as our entire life takes on the spaciousness of sitting on the mountaintop. Mm. And we've all felt those moments. Mm -hmm. You have felt the moments when time has stopped. Mm. You have felt the moments when you could talk to someone that you're falling in love with for five hours on the phone and wake up and not be tired the next uh -huh. day. You have felt the moment where you have been sitting in Paris with your best friend and you have that first bite of cheese with that baguette. You have felt the moment when you're first reading a script or first writing something or first seeing something with your eyes for the first time and all of a sudden all the rules don't apply anymore. Mm. And it's almost like we try to build these lives where we have more and more and more of those moments, where we're trying to collect or cultivate or bring into us more of those moments. But really what the calling is, is can we strip away everything that isn't that moment? Because that moment is actually all that there is. But we've built a life on top of those moments that are called responsibility, structure, deadline work, ethics, and if we can be willing to strip off those things that are not that moment, it's like, I can't remember who says the quote, but it's like, make your life so good that you don't need a vacation from it, uh -huh. right? The feeling is, how can we live in the eternal moment of peace, bliss, contentment, uh, so fully that everything else as it pops up feels like the illusion. And we go, oh, no, 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 that's not what this is all about. Oh, maybe that's something that I just want to move out of my life right now. Maybe, maybe I just don't have time for the things that kill my time. I only have the things that enliven and inspire my time. That's right. I, I remember having coffee uh, a couple of years ago with my friend Rob Giles, who's this amazing musician. Um, and he said to me something about, what if we retire right now? Right now, we decide we're retired. So now everything else is on recreational time. Mm. So everything else from this moment on is what we would just do for joy. Because it makes us happy. Mm. And when I get into that place where I realize I've put on these like self-imposed deadlines, I've thought myself the doer, push myself too hard. Um, it's so fun to come back to, remember before I came to the planet and I was just a spirit hanging up there, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, 
I came because I wanted to be in the body to experience life. So what was it that I was so excited to come down here to do to be informed, mm-hmm. right? And what what does being in the body mean, and what do I get to do because of that? And if I can stay present in the, the, the sensory enjoyment of being here, everything has a way of taking care of itself. Yeah. You know? It's like that's why we often will say desire is life asking for itself because whatever makes you feel good and excited and enlivened is a clue to why you came. It's a clue to what you wanted to come here to experience. And all of us have different things. We're not all the same. Being a human being isn't a one-size-fits-all experience. The way Kristen and I love to get dressed up or the way we love to have a cheese plate or the way we love to flirt, that may be our version of what enlivens us and makes us feel more alive in this incarnation, but it might be something so different for someone else. It might be singing a song or going for a bicycle ride or um, dancing down the street, or it might be just being quiet or it might be holding your newborn baby or it might be anything. There's no right or wrong way to express yourself because it is really just your spirit being enlivened in your human form. That's right. How cool that we get to be in human form and be alive. How fun that we get to be in on the cosmic joke of it all. Mm. Ramda said we're already enlightened. Yeah. At heart. Yeah. We already got it. We already know. We already know. So the confusion is the lie. Always. When we find ourselves confused, we can say, oh, my sweet baby ego yeah. is so trying to confuse me. You know, something that yoga says that I love, and, and this is like a larger conversation, talks about the, the five afflictions of the mind, the kleshas. But basically it says there's kind of like numero uno klesha, and then all the other ones uh, are kind of offshoots of that one. And, and uh the, the number one offender, the number one mental affliction is something called avidya. And it, it is basically boils down to misperception, misperceiving what we really are, misperceiving. And, and when we know that we're in misperception is when we're comparing and contrasting ourselves to someone else. Ooh. When we're comparing and contrasting at this age, I should be here or there mm-hmm. when we're, uh, thinking that we are wrong or thinking that something about us is wrong or thinking that someone else is wrong. Um, or uh, we can also have a vidya when we believe that we're right about something and we're just not. And how many times have we been adamant? I know that how I'm seeing this is the right thing only to get more information and say, oh my gosh, I was totally off about that. Yes. So anytime we are in any feeling of rightness or wrongness, we are in misperception because what we really are isn't about a scale of rightness or wrongness. It isn't about good or bad. What we really are is just being. It's joy. It's pleasure. It's life giving. It's energizing. It's sustaining. Right and wrong are always moving. They're moving targets. And it just depends on who you're comparing yourself to, how better or worse you are. And you could compare yourself in one moment to one thing or another and be totally a different place on the scale. So you are always in a mental affliction whenever you are in the energy of judging. So it's almost like the moment that we find ourselves either labeling or categorizing or comparing, we want to take a moment to (laughs) say, oh, hey, baby. (laughs) look at you and your misperception look at you trying to like dress up and hide my greatness from me oh and hide everyone else's greatness right um there is this really cool website i think it's called pathways of light and it has insights from a course of miracles someone who studies a course of miracles for a long time and i cut and pasted this out and put it in the notes section in on my laptop because i wanted to remember it all the time and it says If I'm feeling vulnerable in any way, if I am not seeing innocence, then I am believing in a false image of what I am. Mm. So actually, the moment I feel vulnerable, I'm believing a false image. Mm. Because the way that we were made, the way we were created, was that we were perfect and whole and invulnerable. That nothing 
can actually hurt us. Mm. The only thing that is, of course, miracles tell us the only thing that is real that exists is love. Anything else is unreal. So it's this way of like bringing ourselves back to the truth of who we are again and again and again. A constant reminder of our true nobility. Mm. Well, and I love that you were the, used the word nobility because anytime we talk about the crown chakra, we love to talk about crowning yourself. Oh. That you are of divine lineage and you get to put that beautiful crown on your head and be a queen or a king because you say so. That's right. Because you already are. You were born that way. It's like everyone sing the Lady Gaga song. <laughs> Baby, you were born this way. We came in enlightened. Yeah. We came in perfect. It's like, uh, you know, one of the things I know that uh, Rob Bell and his wife Kristen were saying on their most latest podcast was about the kids came in to lead us, not the other way around, right? That's true. That's so um, uh, Dr. Shafali as well. Yeah. Right? They know. They know. Don't think you know. They know. They know. You know, when, when, when a child says, you know, starts to cry because they don't like, uh, you know, the way something's going, listen. They have a wisdom. Uh They know what's what. Don't make them do it your way. (laughs) You know, don't try to force your timeline and your system and your rules. You know, one of my favorite things is I was teaching this class a long time ago called What If Auditioning Could Just Be Easy. And in this class, I was really just talking about getting into your spontaneous, instinctual nature as opposed to being really into planning mode. Because how often when you're trying to, and this doesn't apply just to auditioning, this applies to any meeting, anytime you're trying to impress anyone, dating, dating. when you go in trying to make it go a certain way, you're getting into an artificial machine computerized type energy. And what I was talking about when I was doing the research for this easy auditioning class is there are theories that psychologists have developed that say 50% of our neuroses are developed when we are taught to potty train. And what I find so fascinating about this is before we had to potty train, we were 50% more in our nature, in our spontaneity, in our true authentic selves. And what happened is we had this permission to do what felt right for our bodies when it felt right to do it. And then all of a sudden someone came along and said, no, the function of your body is to do it when I say you should. And there are certain places you should do it that are better than others. And you should only do it in private and not in public. And you have to do it the way I say. And when it's time to do it, you must perform. And so it's almost like I I was saying in the audition process, it's like someone sitting you on a potty and saying, okay, go. Be an artist. Be talented. Do what I want you to do and do it now. And what happens under that pressure is you feel stuck. You, 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 can't, go. you can't go. Creative constipation. Creative constipation. And I was saying, and of course what happens the minute the audition room is closed and you're finished, it's like you got the runs. It's uh-huh. like now all that creative juice wants to flow out of you because there's no longer that pressure to do it when you have to do it. So then your mechanism is free. And so... The joke of that is how can you let yourself go into your audition and give yourself permission to go or not go or whatever the moment is, be allowed to be in that moment. If you don't feel like crying, then don't force it. You know, if you don't, if that moment that you planned isn't there, great. It means there's another moment there. And how can you give yourself permission to be back in the flow of your natural energy and trust that there is a wisdom of your body that's communicating to you that may not go the way other people want it to. And so how can we apply that to this conversation of how we show up to a date, how we show up to a meeting, how we show up to have a conversation with our kids or our spouses is getting in the energy where we don't have to force and we can just allow. And that is when we start to have true connection to something higher than ourselves because we trust that we don't have to know the answer. We trust that we don't have to plan it and organize it and and have it all figured out. We can show up and be in communication with something that knows more than we do, that has a wisdom that will be infused within us so that in the moment, like a good improv, you will know what to do. 
it's so interesting when you talk about potty training. It just like makes me have compassion for everyone on the planet that we came here having this internal wisdom of our bodies, and then we were taught how to do it someone else's way and take our cues from someone else. And then as we raise ourselves, it's like we have to reteach ourselves not to take our cues from the world, but take our cues again from inside. So it's like after we've been raised, we have to do this whole reparenting of ourselves yeah. just so that we can learn how to trust our own internal system again. Right. There's so much wisdom there. There's so much wisdom. And so can we be brave enough to put the crown back on our own head mm -hmm. and say, I know how this goes. Yes. And if I don't, then my divine wisdom will reveal it to me exactly when I need to know it. One of the very first uh, creates we taught uh, at AGR was a class called uh, Crown Up, Crown Yourself. Mm -hmm. And we encouraged everyone that when they left their house or their apartment in the morning to see that invisible crown on their head, to feel it as they walked around the city, as they were in their lives and feel, I am royalty, I am nobility. I don't need anyone or anything else to tell me that I am royal, I know this about myself. And if you're listening to that thinking, that sounds so juvenile and so silly and so like something I would never do, then you are so indoctrinated into the world of being appropriate and getting it right that you need it more than ever. <laughs> <laughs> the worse that idea sounds to you, the more we suggest it for you. <laughs> because in knowing your true nobility is, is part of knowing your connection to the divine, your connection yeah. to oneness. Yeah, because we know that we know that the universe has a great sense of humor. Mm. And it wants you to be in on the joke. Yes. It does. It wants you to know that you're driving around the little clown car being silly, and it has a better way. Can I tell you something that our sweet Rob Bell said that just resonated so deeply with me? He said, spirit has this way when you're feeling really full of yourself and like you got it, like you're the <laughs> shit, just to perk that bubble a little bit so that you come back to earth. But that when you're feeling really low and like you've forgotten who you are, how to pull you up and to uh, give you extra air in your balloon so that you rise. Mm. You know, I was like, oh, that is so true. It's like, always knows when I need a lift. Yeah. And when, and when I start believing yeah. uh, that it's all me and I'm the shit, right? right? A way of reminding myself. It's got all the answers. And the thing about the crown that is so lovely, it's a way of knowing the truth of who we are and also know it's because we're connected to something higher. Yeah. That is <sighs> it. So your job this week is to crown yourself. Mm-hmm. And as you take a stand for the divinity in you being alive and free, then you will get to connect and yoke with and see the divine in everything. And it will be fun and it will be humorous and it will delight you and it will make you laugh. And that is the way that you are going to start living the questions in a really powerful way. And you really will live yourself into some really pleasant surprises. Ooh, I wish I was with you so I could see all the pleasant I surprises. Know, I, I want to know about all the treats, all the jewels in your crown, so to speak. <laughs> so maybe you could tell us. We, we encourage you to join our Facebook page, the Create Community Facebook page, and uh, tell us. Tell us how this goes. Tell us what you're seeing. Tell us what your crown looks like. You know, draw us a picture. We love a good visual. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do we ever. You can follow us on social media. We are the Create that's right, on uh, the old Instagram and the Twitter that all the kids are doing these days. <laughs> on all those tweets. <laughs> um, and, ladies and gentlemen, da -da -da -da. we are going to Paris. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I forgot for, for a moment. Did you really? I did, and now I'm feeling all these feelings inside. When I think about Paris, I think about all of the pretty underwear that I'm going to buy in anticipation <laughs> of Paris. Or maybe that I might buy in Paris. And what about oh. this? You could be with Natalie and I doing lingerie shopping in Paris. Just put that into your nuggets. I mean, that feels like a good time. That's so friends, we are going to Paris for a beautiful retreat March 9th to March 12th. If you listen to this and it's not March 9th yet, 
you can get on a plane. That's right. <laughs> um, we are uh, going to go to a beautiful space in Montmartre in Paris. It is so romantic. Go rent Moulin Rouge and watch that movie and you will see exactly where we are going to be and you will see all the fun bohemian adventures we are going to go on and you can already have your mouth be watering with the baguette and jam that we are going to feed you for breakfast and the beautiful eggs that you're going to have and the beautiful um, croissant and uh, pain au chocolat that we are going to feed you and it is going to be delightful. We will take you dancing and gallivanting and to the Sacre Coeur and all the fun things. So if that sounds like what you want to do, come play with us. Come play with us. We're discovering your pleasure in Paris. If you need a little pick-me-up this winter, this could be exactly the moment you've been waiting for. And we have one spot left. Ooh! I wonder who it will be. Ooh, it's going to be someone sexy. I can already feel it. I already know that that's true. <laughs> um, we love you. We love you. Thank you for being our friends. Thank you for listening every week, all of our listeners all over the world. It warms our hearts. We're big in Japan. We are. Uh -huh. We can't wait to go there. <laughs> um, so thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you. Uh, thank you for loving us so well. Uh, come to our um, website if you want more information on our chakra course, if you want more information on our upcoming retreat or future workshops that we are doing in other cities. And Or come check us out for a live class. All that information is on www.thecreateseries.com. Have a great week and crown yourself. <laughs> If you want to know about the Create Workshop series, you can go to www.thecreateseries.com. And if you want to know more about us, you can go to kristenhenge.com or natalieroy.com. And if you want to come to Create, you can go to the Actors Green Room in New York City. Um, and it is Sunday nights from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. and Tuesdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And their website is www.theactorsgreenroom.com and you can buy Create On Demand if you don't live in New York City. Woohoo!